Morning, everybody. Welcome here. Welcome to uh, Grace Live. Glad you're here. Uh, if you're looking up here and you're like, what in the world does that mean? Look around to somebody who's looked like their smile on their face and they'll explain what this is. These are the symbols of Tinder. We're starting a true Tinder romance. We're going to be doing some swiping today, right and left, right? We do a little... You do a little swiping, okay? That are good? Anybody ever swiped before? Don't raise your hand. So, true tender moment. Here's the thing. I'm really interested in this. There are so many opinions about dating and marriage and romance and this whole big ball of wax. I was very interested to know. I, I want to know facts. I want to know research. I want to know studies. I, you know, it's great to have opinions. So, here's the cool thing. NIH, actually, everybody, NIH did this study on, on dating. Today, that's our subject. We're going to touch a little bit on marriage, but mainly we're going to talk about dating today. And there's actual statistics. So we're going to go over some of those things. Some of the things that we're going to go over, and this is very interactive. If you're on Grace Live, get your fingers ready to go because we want you to chat it up there. Feel free throughout this to, to shout out every now and then. I'll say, hey, shout out some answers, and you should do that. Some of the things we're going to cover, and there's statistics on this. I can tell you from statistically speaking, right, proof not opinion, how you can double your odds of finding love in the next four weeks, how you can double your odds of finding love in the next four weeks. You know, if, if, if I wasn't married, right, if I was dating, that'd be pure goal for me. Matter of fact, I have read so many dating materials, both Christian and secular, over the past whatever leading up to this serious preparation for it. I feel like, so Krista, we ought to just like separate and try it again. I feel like I'm going to be so much better the second time around. I just, you know, I'm just going to be, I really am packed full of nuts. So how do you double your odds? What is the most important quality that a man and a woman is looking for? The most, a man and a woman, the most important quality looking for in a romantic partner. Do you know what that is? Do you know what that? You're going to find out. You're going to find out. What are the top three ways, the top three places to, to look to find love? This is statistics. I can tell you the top three things that you should be doing if you're dating and you want to find love. This is where you need to put your time and energy and effort. And then lastly, particularly for marriages, how can you, because sometimes, you know, the, 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 the fire dies down, right? What can you do to add an immediate spark? Like what could you do in the next four weeks to add an immediate spark to your marriage? These are the things that we're going to cover. Now, uh, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. When you came in, the caution signs. There's caution signs out there. Maybe somebody saw it. I know a lot of times people say to me, oh, it's church. What could there be caution about? Okay. We, we, are, we are looking at, we are examining for the next four weeks a song. And this song is Hebrew poetry. Right? There's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of symbolism. And much of it is sensual, highly sensual in nature. It's been years since we've looked at this song. We should look at it more often, actually, because it's so important. I'll explain that in just a moment. But I was fascinated when we did this study before how many people came to me and said, you know, I've been in church all my life. I've never read. I've never read the song. It's in the Bible. I've never read it. I've never heard it preached about, particularly guys. I like guys coming up to me, got really, really interested in the Bible. I had so many guys. I mean, one guy, I'll never forget it. He came up to me. Well, actually, he didn't come up to me. He was standing out in the lobby, and he's like, hey, John, just, could, you, could you come over here? He had his Bible open to the Song of Songs. And he's like, hey, um, could you look at this? Could you? And I looked down at the verse he's pointing to, and they looked at me and says, is that, is that saying what I think it's saying? <laughs> 
And, I, and it, when I gave him the answer, it was like I just vanished, like I wasn't even there. And I said, yes, is exactly what you think it's saying. His eyes kind of rolled back in his head, and he just looked up to heaven and said, thank God. And he just kind of walked away. So very... There are a lot of songs in the Bible. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know there's this big, big book in the Bible called Psalms. And there's 150 songs in Psalms. And the, probably the most famous one is Psalm 23. Right? Do, you, do you know what it says? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's very famous, very famous. Chapter 1, verse 1 of this song that we're studying for the next four weeks says this. It says it's the song of songs. Now, if you have been in church much or you've read the Bible, you're very familiar with these phrases, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Holy of Holies. So when you say something is the Holy of Holies or he is the King of Kings, it means there's kings, but he's the greatest king of all. There's a holy place, there's holy places, but this is the holy place of all. What this song is saying in the Bible is that there's a lot of songs in the Bible. There's a lot of songs in the world. This is the greatest song of all. Actually, Jewish scholars agree with that. Some very prominent Jewish scholars say, you know what? This is the most holy song of all the songs written in the Bible. That's how important this is. Now, I want to take a quick time out as we head into this because I just need to say, don't idolize marriage. Don't idolize romance. Sometimes we get the feeling, you know, in church, like singles, I'll hear them say, singles say to this to me all the time, you know, in church, I feel like, actually, a single person said this to me just yesterday. They don't come to this church. They were attending another church. Says, you know, I felt like a second-class citizen. I didn't feel very spiritual. Don't feel that way. First thing you need to know is this, is that you should not idolize marriage or romance. It is not going to fulfill your life, Right? We have to bring to the table a life that is already fulfilled, and marriage or romance can enhance, but it can't be the source. It can enhance, but it can't be the source. And you don't have to be married to be spiritual. We talk about somebody a lot around this church, and his name is Jesus. He was very spiritual, and he was single. So you don't have to be married. You don't have to be in a relationship to be spiritual. You're not a second-class citizen. Definitely not here at Grace. So don't feel that way, and don't feel that you're going to live a fulfilled life once you get into a relationship. What all the data shows, and clearly what the Bible shows, and definitely this song shows, is, is that you bring to the relationship a life that is already fulfilled, a life that is already in motion. There's something already going on. The relationship can enhance. It cannot, cannot be the source of that. So why are we talking about this? Well, because, as I already said, this is the greatest song of all, according to the Bible. Greatest song of all. And over 90% of Americans, both men and women, over 90% of Americans, both men and women who are single, want to one day be married. High relevancy factor. High relevancy factor. Big time. What I have been fascinated, what I tried to do leading up to this is, is, you know what? I don't want to read just Christian books on dating. There's a bunch of them out there. I don't want to. I, I, I read some of those, but I don't want to read just those. I want to find some secular books to read about, about dating. I want to find out what are the best sellers out there on the subject of dating. And I want to hear from a non-religious perspective with it. So I just, just filled my, I just filled my mind with all this data. And here's what shocked me. This is what shocked me. The secular data won't use the word or the name Christ. They won't use that. 
But when they said, here's what you need to have a successful dating life, this is what they said. They said, first of all, you've got to start with you. This is what the Bible says. You've got to start with you, not the other person. And you have to begin to develop Christ-like character in you. Now, they didn't use the word Christ, but everything they described was the qualities of Christ and his character. So you've got to begin to develop Christ-like character in you, and then people who of similar character yours will begin to be drawn to you. And that's exactly what this song is going to say today. So the first fill in the blank is really important, everybody. If you're dating, if you want to find love, Christ-like character is what you really want. Of course you want it in the other person. But the data suggests and the experts suggest that this is where it starts. It starts with you, and here's what the song that we're studying for the next four weeks says. It all starts with what you're bringing to the table, and then you'll begin to attract other people who have a similar Christ-like character. Now, here's the interactive part. Billboard. What do you think Billboard says is the number one love song of all time? The name of the song or the artist? Who do you think? Just shout it out. Number one of all time, according to Billboard. Can't help fall. Elvis, go ahead. Everybody just popcorn it out. Whitney Houston. Houston. You're much calmer than the first service. Whitney, I'm listening if I see the hear the answer. Okay, okay. I didn't hear the song said, but I did hear the artist who sang it from somewhere over in this direction. It is Lionel Richie and Diana Ross and Endless Love. Endless, yes. And number one, according to Billboard, number one love song of all times, right? Which makes Pastor Derek very happy over at West Falls Church because he loves Lionel Richie. He's got a Lionel Richie t-shirt. I was at his house recently. He had a little Lionel Richie doll that he sleeps with. It's fantastic. <laughs> loves Lionel Richie. Okay. I'd like to read you. Can I just, I just want to read you a couple of lines from the song Endless Love, right? It's, here's, ready? Here, I, I wish I could sing. I, I, would, I wish I could sing, but I'm a terrible singer. Right? There's only you in my life. You're every breath I take. You're every step I make. And if you know the last, help me to finish it. You'll always be my endless love, endless love. Here, I want to read you from the eighth chapter of this great song, the song of all songs, right? The greatest song of all. This, th- these two verses I'm going to read you are the key verses. Here's the driving point. It's a very important moment of what this song is about. Here's what it says. Verses 6 and 7 of chapter 8. Place me like a seal over your heart. What's being said there? I want to be in your heart. heart that's a private thing. I was saying, in, in private, I want to be in your heart. I want to be special in, in, in your heart. Then it goes on and says, like a seal on your arm. Now, the arm, the arm here in Hebrew poetry can often refer to the finger. So there needs to be a seal on your finger. All right? There it is. There's the seal on my finger. It's my wedding ring. That's the same thing. Public, private. Public, private. What's being said here and is actually um, what, what is being talked about here about in an overall way in this moment is that there needs to be a public and a private display, right? Finger. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. So, so death is very strong. It's very certain. I mean, it's it's going to happen, right? So what's being said here is this love that we're talking about is sure and it is certain. It's going to happen. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. So there's a problem. There's trouble. Waters are trying to drown. They're trying to drown out the flame. So waters are coming. So when trouble comes, we are looking for a love that is sure and certain that is not going away. And this is what the song says. Many waters can't quench it, quench love, nor rivers drown it out. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, he would be utterly scorned. I think maybe that's why the Beatles wrote that song, Can't Buy You Love. Okay. 
men, men are very romantic. I, I know that sometimes we talk about kind of the stereotype, men aren't as romantic, but actually men are very, very romantic. They're very, actually, according to the studies, they're actually more romantic than women. They fall in love quicker. They say, I love you quicker. They do, they do all these things. They just have a different, not a wrong way, but a different way of looking, a different way of looking at it. And this is what we'll see here in this song. So I want to say uh, one thing on this subject. I was in my community group. I'm in a guy's group. I was in a community group the other night and I shared this story because I, I remembered it and I just happened to, happened to share it. And all the guys said, oh man, you got to share that story. So when I was in college, I was going to a church uh, down the street close by. It's a big church and they brought in a guy who was, who was speaking. This is a guy who'd been a soldier in Vietnam. And in Vietnam, he um, one day was out on patrol. He had a phosphorus grenade in his hand and he went to throw it and it exploded right next to him. And so he's terribly, terribly disfigured and burned, horribly. This guy had just gotten married before he left, had a very young bride back home. And so he was sent to a hospital with other people who have a similar burn, similar condition that they're facing. He goes to this hospital and the guy in the bed, you know, next to him, his wife came to visit him for the first time, the guy in the bed next to him. He didn't know, but they obviously got to know each other and they're very badly disfigured. And the wife came in, she took one look at him, she took the ring off, and she laid it on the bed, and she said, you would be an embarrassment to see and with. She left. So now this guy who's telling the story, this guy who's preaching at this church, he said, you know, he was, just, he was so depressed. He thought, well, that's obviously going to be what's going to happen to me too. And he said that night he ripped all of the tubes out because he thought they were actually keeping him alive. Actually, what he ripped out was his feeding tube. So he said he just got hungry. He didn't die, <laughs> which is bad. When his wife finally got there to visit him, he said he saw her coming, and she walked straight at him, dead at him, walked right up to him, kissed him on the face, and said, welcome home. Man, when I told that story to my group the other night, all those guys said, my goodness, you have got to share that story. There's something about this love, this endless love that is inspiring. It's inspiring. We want that. That is why this is the greatest song of all time. So let's begin our examination of the greatest song of all time, verses 2 to 4. Here we go. She's speaking. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. So what you're seeing here, there's, a, there's kissing, there's this pleasing fragrance, there's this building of intensity, there's, there's actually a running to the bedroom, there's a slamming of the door, and in this song, the choir just like breaks out song. It's incredible. This is what this song is about. And you can understand what's happening. She's, she's inspired by the king. Now, what's, what's, what's important here is throughout this song, everybody, she is constantly initiating the physical intimacy and connection between the two of them. They're crossed. He is constantly initiating the emotional connection between the two of them. That's breaking the stereotypes. These two people are servant lovers to each other. They know each other. 
They've learned each other. They've studied each other. And they know what the other person is desiring, craving so much. And they're serving it. So she always initiates, not always, but most of the time. And he most of the time initiates the emotional connection between the two of them. The song is filled with excitement and passion and smoking hot intimacy. And it all starts with a kiss. Everybody, you want to swipe right on your relationship, you got to start with a kiss. This is what it says. All of this starts with a kiss. Could you repeat that with me? Would you mind doing that? It all starts with a kiss. Ready? One, two, three. It all starts with a kiss. Man, it all starts with a kiss. Here's what we know from research. The quality of our kissing has a direct connection to the quality of our sexual relationship. The quality of so, Many times, I was talking to the married couples for just a second because I want to give you an assignment to do, okay? Married people, so if you're sitting next to your spouse and they've happened to doze off or you see them just like wandering, wake them up real quick because I want to give you an assignment to do. When you're married, here's what happens a lot of times. The kissing fades. And the physical intimacy, it might start fading too. But a lot of times it's like jump right into the physical intimacy and forget the kissing. Don't do that. The kissing is really important. Our lips are filled with nerve endings that are just begging to be kissed. And the quality of your kissing is going to have a direct connection to the quality of your physical relationship with each other. I ask Krista, I say, hey, Krista, you know, how can I, servant lover, how can I, how can I, how can I love you better? What do you, what do you, what do you, what, what should I do? What should I do? I say, John, every day when you leave, kiss me goodbye. And when you get home, kiss me. Right? So here's my assignment, married people. You ready? Kiss twice a day, every day, all this week. You want to put a little spark into your marriage? Kiss. Now, in the first service, we had some people, like right now, they, they kissed, right? And I'm not, I'm not seeing that happening, so, but that's okay. You don't have to. I see a couple. They're, they're, over, they're, over, there, they're over there doing that right now. That's okay. I, I hope you're actually sitting next to your spouse because... That would actually diminish the fires of romance if you weren't sitting next to your spouse. All right, so, so there you go. Twice every day, and we'll check in with you on that uh, next week, all right? All right, there's a lot of scents and smells, a lot of smells, a lot of fragrance going on here. This is actually really, really important because our nose knows. All throughout this, there's this, uh, this fragrance, these smells, all of these things that are going on. Do you realize that women in one study ranked the way a guy smells as being more important than the way he looks. Do you hear that, men? In one study that was done, women ranked the way a guy smells as being more important than the way that he looks. And it's said that you should be very careful what you eat. Like if you're getting ready to go out on a big date with somebody, you want to impress them, be really careful in the couple days leading up to it what you're eating. So I'm just offering that. I'm offering that to you. Okay, you might want to know this. What actually puts a man in the mood to find love? What, what is it? What, what scent or what smell? Well, there's been a study on this. There's been a study on this. What actually puts a man in the mood? You know what it is? It's a combination. Are you listening, ladies? There's a combination between pumpkin and lavender. Something about the combination. I don't know if they sell a perfume like that. But something about the combination of pumpkin and lavender. Just, right? That was the number one thing. But it was followed closely. The number two thing was freshly baked donuts. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if there's a perfume for that one either. But there are the two things. So it's very important. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that actually creates the atmosphere, creates a fragrance that is attractive to every single person. And here's what the song talks about that is so incredibly important. So incredibly important. And that is character. 
So as we read in this song, like bees to honey, that people are drawn to a person of character, the, right, the kind of people that you want drawn to you, right? If you begin to develop Christ-like character in your own life, it starts at home, it starts with you. The data shows that this great song, the song of all songs in the Bible says, it actually has to start with you. I know we spend a lot of time thinking about, yeah, that person, or looking at their profiles, or I want a person like this, or you know what? I hear this all the time. All the good ones are gone. There's none left. There's, there's none left. I hear that all the time. What the data shows and what the song shows is if you'll just start working at home and developing Christ-like character in your own life, people, will, people of character will begin to be drawn to you, and that's where it starts. She says, your name, your name. The name in the Bible is the essence of a person. It is their character, and it creates the best fragrance of all. Now listen, everybody. We're specifically talking about dating day, and here's the tough thing. The Bible says zero about dating, like zero. There's nothing in the Bible, zip, not a nothing in the Bible, about dating. So how in the world are we going to get some good information to help us with dating as we're looking into the Bible? Well, here's the thing. You ready for this? Here's what all the studies show, and here's what the Bible shows. Here's what all the studies shows, here's what the Bible shows, is that the thing that you need to have a great date, to have a great dating life, character development character development. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about character development. So these two guys have joined me on stage and uh, they're going to, they're going to say, they just didn't like get up and walk on stage. I knew they, I knew, I knew they were coming. Uh, what's your name? Hi everyone. I'm Ali. This is Ali. All right. Who's your friend? This is Scott. And why did you bring him? Uh, Scott's my marriage mentor and marriage coach. This is your marriage coach. So Ali has a marriage, a marriage coach. You're getting married? Yes. Fiance's name? Ravine. Ravine. Where did you meet Ravine? Uh, I met her. Listen, at, listen. I met her at church. Uh, actually, I met her at a, at a community group that I was hosting. Okay. You hear that? Okay. Uh, so I'm giving something away. I didn't tell the first service this. The number one place, statistically speaking, to meet somebody if you want to find love. Church. Bingo. Okay. <laughs> According to NIH. Just, 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 just saying. All right. This is your, this is your marriage coach over here. All right. Scott? Um, married? Correct. How many years? 34 years, 11 months, 24 days. <laughs> Just getting started. Excellent. Okay. So marriage coach, this is what we need from you. We need one thing that we must remember to have a great marriage. So you're coaching him up and I'm sure you're just pouring stuff into this guy. A lot of effort. Yes. I understand. <laughs> we understand. Tremendous. Many. Talk um, to us. Well, I, I thought about this, and John contacted me early in the week. He goes, Scott, we need that one thing. And I, then I, well, I made a list, so, but you've got to narrow it down to one. So I actually wrote down a couple of things from the sermon, and it was pretty interesting. Uh, some things that he said that I actually do in my marriage, you know, it's, it's really weird. It's really weird you said that. Kiss, kiss your wife when you leave. Yes. Kiss your wife when you come home. We do that every day. Okay. So that was really good. The smell part, I do take a shower every day. Good, 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 good. And I got to admit that everybody laughed about that. There's something about driving by Krispy Kreme when the hot sign comes oh, yeah. on. Very romantic. Very romantic. Very romantic. Very romantic. <laughs> very romantic. So that's just me. But I did write down some things that my, my initial first five or six things I wrote down to get to the, what I come to the, the conclusion. The small things that we talk about 
small tidbits, what I call at the tactical level. Um, we have dinner at our table. We try not to turn on the TV or turn the phones off. We try to have dinner every night. We walk together. We do walks together in the afternoon if, if the weather permits. And at least two hugs, minimum two hugs, two kisses a day. So that's important. From a more serious matter that we really work with the, the young kids or young couples, um, we really stress a budget. We, we stress a five-year budget, I mean a one-year budget, a five-year budget, even a 10-year budget, even a 50-year budget. What are your goals you want to be 50 years from now? Mm. The other one is uh, communication. We try to stress to them that men are absolutely horrible listeners. They really are. Yes. And I'm the, probably the world's worst uh, because I want to solve everything. And the wife goes, look, I don't want you to solve. I just want you to listen. So that's one of the, that's another thing. And you, finally, you're, you're preaching now, Scott. You, you, you you've the, transgressed a level. Um, and and the biggest, well, the biggest thing before I get to the final thing is the um, I am my wife is 100 percent behind me, and I am 100 percent behind her. She's my biggest fan, and of course, I'm her biggest fan. And finally, when you roll all of those things up, Krispy Kreme, hugs, kisses. It basically comes down to three words, and they're very simple. We serve each other, mm. and there's the key. That's excellent. That's excellent. That's it. Uh, thank you. No, we're not done. We're not done. Don't go. Don't go. We just want to say that was, that was great. We're going to actually hit on a lot of those points throughout this. Now, Ali, uh, you have this T-shirt on, right? The Men's Summit, right? It's coming up. You're the main driver behind this Men's Summit. Why are you doing it? Uh, yeah, so Tony Robbins, uh, a lot of what he talks about is uh, the, key to, the key to happiness is uh, progress. Uh, so I really wanted to uh, uh, surround myself with a community of guys who are also looking to grow and progress in their lives. Mm, that's excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Huge round of applause. We appreciate it. Candy bacon. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. So Ali has a table in the lobby with some other guys. There's candy bacon, right, Ali, on that table? Candy bacon on that table. And there's like a big axe going through a piece of wood or something like that. I don't know why, but it looks kind of cool. Um, and so here's the thing. You want to be in progress. That's very attractive, according to the data. If you find somebody... like. Maybe you're not all the way there yet, but there is a plan. We talked about a plan. There's a plan to get there, and there's some real strong signs that that character is being developed, which is what we're going to get into right now. But you want to be in pro- I love this, this quote. So there's, there's a guy, his name is John Newton. He wrote a very famous song called Amazing Grace, and he, he said this. He says, I'm not the man I ought to be. I'm not the man I wish to be. I'm not the man I hope to be, but by the grace of God, I'm not the man I used to be. My question is, are you, man or woman, are you in process? Are you moving towards what all the experts say, biblical and non-biblical, Christ-like character? Are you moving in that direction? I love the way Andy Stanley uh, talks about this. He's a pastor of a church down in Atlanta. He says, ready for this? Are you the person, the person you are looking for is looking for? I'm going to say it again. Are you the person... That the person you're looking for is looking for. And he tells a story in his book about love and dating. He says there was somebody at his church. 
And they met somebody. Oh, man, they met this person. And they had all the qualities. You know what I'm saying? They had the, all the character was there. They were spiritual. They were character. They were kind. They were serving. They had all these things wrapped up. And like, oh, my gosh. And handsome to boot, right? right. So, so he's like, this is the person. And they went home to tell their parents and describe this incredible person. They said, oh, man, I just want to be in a relationship with a person like that. And the parent, the parent of all people, looked at them and said, they're not looking for you. They're not looking for you. It's a hard thing to say because this person was looking for somebody of a certain character and they described a lot of Christ-like qualities, but they hadn't developed it in themselves. So all of this starts at home. Everything follows what you develop. You're not looking for this person. Oh, if I just get this person with all these characteristics, all these Christ-like characteristics, my life is going to be awesome. Well, if you bring to the table the fact that you're lacking in a lot of Christ-like characteristics, that you don't have the characters that we're getting ready to describe here, all you're going to do is mess their life up. Please don't do that. That where it really starts is at home with you. And the song says, like bees to honey, other people with character will be drawn to you. It's got it. So what, what are biblical, what are those biblical characters? I want to tell you one thing, if I can, real quick, about online dating before we describe what, are the, what is biblical character. First of all, 40%, 40% is a big number. 40% of Americans are participating in online dating. Actually, more men than women are participating. There's a lot of people out there who are doing a lot of swiping right? There's a lot of swiping that's going on out there, all right? Most people, almost half, are looking for a long-term relationship. However, ready for this? 53% of the people lie on their profile. Yes, they lie about three things. You ready? All right? They lie about their age, one category. They lie about their height and weight, category two, and they lie, category three, about their job or their income. 53%. Now, do you want to guess how that breaks down between men and women? <laughs> you can chat it up on Grace Live or whatever you think you have it breaks down. I'm going to give you the answer. 20% of women lie on their profile about the first two categories, age, height, and weight. Age, height, and weight. All physical. 40% of men lie about their job or their income. Because we feel a certain amount of pressure, internal and external both, in these areas. Now let's begin to describe what is really attractive, what really works, what other people find attractive. And I want to start with this, responsibility. Somebody who has biblical uh, character, Christ-like character, development, they take response, they own stuff. Do you own things? Like when you do something wrong, can you say you're sorry and specifically name it? I know a lot of people will say, you know, I'm not, I did something, I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. When you specifically own something and name it, that's character. So Adam does something wrong. He does something really, really wrong. And God comes to him. He's like, Eve, she did it. Instead of saying, owned it, right? Cain, his son, Adam's son, Cain, does something really wrong. And God urges him, please own up to this. And he doesn't own up to it. And God is urging them. You can't make somebody else be responsible for the things they need to be responsible for. Everybody has to take their own responsibility. So when people are irresponsible, right, or irresponsible, it is a definite swipe left. 
Are you owning everything? All right. There's a love story in the Bible, famous love story between Isaac and Rebekah. And here's the fascinating thing. It's found in Genesis chapter 24. And what's interesting about this is there's incredible stuff in the book of Genesis, like the creation of the world is in Genesis. When evil enters in the world is in Genesis. But the longest chapter in the entire book of Genesis is a love story between Isaac and Rebekah. So we've run out of time. We're going to get into that next week. We're going to unpack it. But I do want to say a couple things. At the bottom of your bulletin, there are three steps to join a text that I send out. I'll send a couple texts out a week. And here's why I'm bringing it up. I'm going to tell you why I'm bringing it up. I'm going to send out a lot of clips from movies and a lot of dating tips. And I even want to send out a song to have you listen to. And you'll come in next week and you'll kind of be all charged up and ready to go. So I, I, I want to suggest that if you want to sign up for that, to, to do that, you can, you can drop membership at any time. It's very, very simple. But in this series, I'm going to be sending out a lot of information and it'll be helpful for you just to click on it and to, and to see this. Next week, everybody, this is what we're going to cover. How can you, I said this earlier, how can you double your odds in the next four weeks of finding love? There is an answer to this, and actually it is quite simple. And if you're married, remember the assignment I gave you earlier, how can you add an immediate spark? Next week, we'll talk about this. Statistically speaking, how can you add an immediate spark to your marriage, and it's simple and it's proven over the next four weeks. All right, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much, God, uh, for this song, the greatest of all songs, the song of songs. Lord, we're very, obviously, more than 90% of Americans very, very interested in romance. Lord, would you help us as we look at this incredible song and guide this pursuit that is so important to us and so important to you? In Christ's name. Amen.